Your voice it thunders The old star twisting The forest sounds with cedars breaking The waters see you And start their writhing From the depths a song is rising now it's rising from the ground Holy, 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 holy Lord The earth is yours and sing Holy, 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 holy Lord
there any spaces in your rows that you know aren't going to be taken? If you can move to the center as people continue to come in, that'd be great. We're going to have a holiday medley. Feel free to sing along.
Way to go. Way to go, kids. Adults as well. Way to go. Aren't they just precious? Man, they're precious. We could just watch you guys all night, but, well, you probably have pizza to eat or something, right? Welcome to Christmas at the Commons. We're delighted to be with you today. It's true, isn't it, that Christmas is a great time of year to celebrate with family and friends. There's really nothing like the spirit being together in the spirit of the seasons, commemorating past joys, sometimes mourning past hurts. Well, today we're here to celebrate the very beginning of the Christmas story. Absolutely, we're going to celebrate that night in Bethlehem when the entire trajectory of humankind was irrevocably changed and we're going to rewind the tape a little bit to the very beginning, the story of God and His creation, the story of separation, the story of redemption. In the beginning, there was nothing. Nothing to hear, nothing to feel, nothing to see. Only emptiness and darkness and nothing, but nothing. But God was there and God had a wonderful plan.
God created light and dark, sky and earth. He prepared a place where he could be with his creation. Ah, but then the lie began. Sin entered. Death entered. And how to replace death with new life? Genesis 3 verse 21 tells us that God clothed Adam and Eve with animal skin. The payment for sin was to require the shedding of blood. Thus, painting a picture, a picture of redemption. God gently clothed Adam and Eve, and then he led them out of the garden, away from their home. In any other story, it would have been all over, and that would have been the end. But not in this story. God loves his children too much to let the story end there. Even though he knew he would suffer, God had a plan. One day, he would get his children back. One day, he would make the world their perfect home again. And one day, he would wipe away every tear from their eyes. You see, no matter what, in spite of everything, God loves his children with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking always and forever love. And though we often forget him and at times run from him, God's children, because they were created by God, have souls that always long to seek him, like lost children yearning for their father. Before Adam and Eve left the garden, God whispered a promise to them. It will not always be so. I will rescue you. And when I do, I'm going to do battle against evil. I will get rid of all the sin, the dark, and the sadness you let in here. I'm coming for you. And one day, God himself would come. I am a recovering alcoholic and my name is Renee. Today, my alcoholism gives me freedom. Before Christ, it held me in bondage. If someone would have told me when I was 18 that at 30, I would have lost everything, including my children, because of drugs and alcohol, I would have never believed you. But something happened. I began to lie to myself. Alcoholism told me I could drink again. In 2006, I believed the lie and after years of sobriety, I drank again. Almost immediately, I lost a job. I lost a beautiful son and daughter, friends and family members. I lost everything and everyone important to me, including myself. But here was the great paradox. When the darkness was the deepest, Christ's biggest blessing came to me. My greatest blessing was the stripping away of everything I wanted to make of myself. My greatest blessing was having Christ there all along. Even when I thought I'd lost him and had forgotten his love and grace, he was there. My greatest blessing was the brightness. He shines through all of our souls at exactly the right moment when we have nowhere to go but up. Today, I walk among the living because I reached out one last time for Christ. I called and he answered. Today, with God's grace and mercy, I walk through the anger and hurt of the past with faith and hope. There's a dark place I know of today. I was there once, alone, through choices and decisions without asking for God's help, 
It was so dark, and when I was drinking and using drugs, it was the loneliest place I've ever been. Today, I believe God allowed me to get to the bottom through the dark so I could rise to the top. God allowed me to make decisions so that I could learn that without him, I am nothing. God blessed me with unbearable pain so I could experience his love and fully know that I am his. God blessed me with a story to tell to others that he's always with us, no matter how deep the darkness. We only have to choose. I am a recovering alcoholic, and my name is Renee. Today I am free and blessed. Today I have a faith that works. My name is Sam Summers. Uh, my early years were not very enjoyable. I was very sure that my natural father uh, really didn't want another child in the house, but uh, I didn't get the memo and came along anyway. He made my mother's life and my life very unhappy and was often violent until he died on Christmas Day when I was seven. My next two stepdads really didn't have the uh, skills to relate to his son, so there was never a time when I really felt like a father wanted any kind of close friendship with me. This was uh, a real mystery to me because I was such a perfect child. <laughs> Actually, uh, I was progressively harder to get along with. And in my teen years, I remember feeling very alone and angry and without any sense of purpose. My second stepfather uh, really had uh, no real purpose to pass on to me either, so I became more and more of a loner and an angry young man. As a result of these father friendships, I came to the conclusion in my early years that I was on my own and that fathers were not someone to, that you could be uh, trusting uh, or be close to. So this was a bit of an adjustment when I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior in high school. Now I had to figure out how to relate to a heavenly father as well. Early on, I really had some trouble with faith in God and trusting him, uh, but when what I've actually discovered over these years is that God the Father not only loves me, but he wants a friendship with me. And as I trusted him with more of my life, he's been absolutely trustworthy and is always going ahead of me and looking out for my best interest, even when things don't turn out quite the way I would plan them. He's allowed me even to mistrust him in some areas of my life over the years until I could see how trustworthy he is with every area of my life. I'm amazed at how patient and faithful my Heavenly Father has been to me. It's been my experience that He cares deeply about my life and about yours, and He can be trusted with every area of our life. Until this last summer, I lived a life very far from God. I spent a lot of time around here at Journey, but only because my mom is on staff, and that's just what my family did. I lived in a lie that I was saved because I occasionally attended youth group and went to church every weekend. Jesus and I had not met yet. I started to make bad decisions and was constantly lying to my parents. Things in my family got really rough, and my relationship with my parents was on a downhill slope. At the very beginning of the summer, I made some choices that made me feel as if I'd hit rock bottom. I began believing a lie that the mistake was too big to be forgiven by God. Through a long turn of events and the handiwork of God, I ended up at a church camp in Oregon later that summer. Camp went by and I had made some amazing friends, but I spent my time messing around. 
The last night of camp, though, was different. We were singing some worship songs when the Lord came to me and said, Taylor, I love you and I'm here for you no matter what decisions that you have made. It wasn't a little whisper either. It was loud and clear. I blindly said, okay, I trust you, Lord. And I felt at that very moment that he was entering my life. It was the most incredible joy I have ever felt. I knew then that I had been forgiven and live in the truth every day, knowing that nothing is too big for God to fix. Then, on my way home from camp, the Lord clearly told me that I could not attend the same school or have the same friends anymore because they were pulling me down. It was the hardest decision I have ever made, but I have started going to an online Christian school, and I had to tell every one of my friends that I wasn't coming back. I feel that the Lord has blessed me, though, for my obedience, and out of the blue, amazing Christian girls have walked into my life. I can now live in the truth of knowing that God will always prevail when you listen to what he has to say to you. I have also learned that the joy and fire that I had in my heart at that moment does not have to slowly die down. If you feed it, it will continue to grow. I still spend a lot of time around here at Journey, but because I love to and it keeps my fire burning. My mom has become my best friend and I don't think she's crazy anymore. The Lord is now the boss of my life and leading me a better life than I ever could have. God's heart was broken when the relationship with his children was broken. He began to show them how they would be restored, how they would be bought back, and how they would be redeemed. God chose to tell his story of redemption through the history of a people, the Israelites. That history began when he called a man named Abraham to follow him. Now, Abraham and his wife couldn't have children, but God promised him one day he would have a son. He would be called Isaac. Hi, I'm Isaac. My dad is Abraham. You know the one. Father Abraham had many sons. Well, I really am one of them. His firstborn, actually. My dad and mom waited years for God to keep his promise to give them a son. And hey, I was worth the wait. My name actually means son of laughter because my mom laughed when she found out she would give birth in her, <clears throat> her golden years. She said, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby? Yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age. God kept his promise to my parents and they continued to trust him, even through some tough times, like that day on Mount Moriah. But first, one of the things you need to understand is sacrifices. You see, back in my day, we had something called the sacrificial system. This is where we would offer animals to God as a temporary payment for our sin. Most people today might not understand why God asked us to do this. The fact is, it's pretty gruesome, really, all that animal blood. But you see, God wanted us to be aware of the high cost of sin. He wanted us to realize how horrible sin really is. Sacrificing animals was a visual way for us to learn this. So we sacrificed to God to pay for our sin. 
But one day, God asked my dad for a special kind of sacrifice. This time, God didn't want a lamb or a goat. God wanted me. I remember it was early that morning as we set off to make the sacrifice. We climbed a steep, stony trail. I carried the wood on my back. Dad carried the knife and coals. When I asked Dad where the lamb was for the sacrifice, he told me that God would provide. We built an altar. We laid the wood on top. And then, Dad tied my hands and bound my feet. I didn't struggle or run away. He laid me on the altar. He picked up his knife. His hand was shaking as he held it above my chest. He was crying. My dad was crying. But then, we heard a voice. Abraham, Abraham, here I am, my dad cried. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And through tears, we, we both saw a ram caught in some brambles. God did provide the sacrifice. And many years later, another son would climb another hill, also carrying wood on his back. And like Isaac, he would trust his father. He would do what his father asked. He wouldn't struggle or run away, for the lamb would be provided. You stood before creation, eternity in your hand. You spoke the earth into motion, my soul now to stand. You stood before. the cross for my dream my sin weighed upon your shoulder my soul now to stand 
So what can I say? What can I do? Offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. What can I As the story of humanity continued to unfold, God never stopped revealing his plan to restore every single one of us to him through the story of his people. Take the story of Joseph, for example, the Old Testament Joseph, the one who wore the many-colored coat, you know? Joseph, the Bible tells us, was much loved by his father. Uh, That many-colored coat was given to him by his dad, as a matter of fact, because he loved him so much. The Bible also tells us that Joseph was much envied, much hated even, by his brothers, so much so that his brothers hatched a plot to trick their father into thinking that he was dead and actually sell Joseph off into slavery. Turns out, though, every single thing Joseph did was blessed by God. Even his being sold into slavery was part of God's unfolding redemptive plan. Yes, he was falsely accused. Yes, he was unjustly condemned. Yes, Joseph was set free from prison, made ruler over the land. And one day, Joseph's brothers, the exact same ones who had sold him into slavery, they came before him and stood, urgently requesting his help, uh, not knowing that it was Joseph that they were standing before. And do you know what Joseph did? Crazy deal. He forgave them. He forgave them, and not only did he forgive them, but he served them as well, answering their request for help even when he didn't have to. The story of Joseph really foreshadows the story of the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Thousands of years before he was ever born in that manger, the shadow of what Jesus was coming to do was cast. Think on the similarities of Joseph and Jesus Christ. They were both hated. Joseph and Jesus were both the objects of great jealousy and scorn. Joseph and Jesus were both wrongly accused, wrongly sentenced, wrongly punished even. And both Joseph and Jesus forgave and excused those who caused them so much harm. Jesus did so with the words that were famously spoken as he hung on the cross, Luke 23, 34. Father, forgive them, he said, for they don't know what they are doing. You can take the story of David as another example of God's unfolding plan of redemption and restoration to and through his people. Uh, David not only foretold the sufferings and glory of Jesus, the Redeemer, but he himself was a picture of him. You think about all that David endured, and it was just a faint picture of everything that Jesus had to suffer through, wasn't it? Just like Jesus was sent by his father God to humanity, so too one day David was sent by his father to his brothers with gifts and encouragement. David was sent to be with his brothers, just as Jesus was sent to be with us. And how did David's brothers treat him? 
To say the least, they treated him poorly, didn't they? They were not happy to see him. They were rude to him. Bitterness marked their every single interaction with their little brother David. I know how similar that is to the manner in which Jesus Christ, the son of David as the Bible calls him, was treated. He came to humanity in what? We didn't receive him, did we? Jesus came with words of tenderness and mercy, and we replied to him with words of scorn. He gave blessings, and humanity gave Jesus curses. Jesus offers humanity the bread of heaven, and what do we do? We give him stones in return. Jesus came to bless and serve us, and he was treated beyond poorly. The Old Testament prophet, a man named Isaiah, he told, foretold of the shepherd who would one day come to bring the hope of restoration. Isaiah brought a message to people who were really stumbling around like people in a dark room. And one day he spoke these words, into the darkness a bright light will come to shine. A baby will be born, a royal son, the mother will be a young virgin. The child will be called Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us. He would be one of King David's descendants, as a matter of fact, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah said that this Savior would come as a servant with a serving towel over his arm. He would come as a healer. He would come as a hero. One that would absolutely fight for his people and rescue them from their enemies. But he wasn't going to come with big armies, nor was he going to fight with swords. He would, however, make the blind to see, cause the lame to leap, be well. And he would make everything the way that it was always meant to be. But people would hate him. They wouldn't listen to him. And he would be like a lamb. He would suffer and he would die. And therein was laid out the divine rescue plan that was hatched from before the beginning of the world. One of the most vivid pictures that God painted in the Old Testament of how he would rescue us is told in the story of Moses and what a man Moses was. He was born a child of a slave and yet he was also the son of a king. He was born in a hut and he also lived in a palace. He inherited poverty and enjoyed unlimited wealth. He was the leader of armies and the keeper of flocks. He was the absolute mightiest of warriors and was the very meekest of men. He was educated in the court. He dwelled in the desert. He had the wisdom of Egypt and the faith of a child. He was fitted for the city and wandered extensively in the wilderness. He was tempted with the pleasures of sin and he endured the hardships of virtue. He was completely backward in his speech and yet he talked with God. He carried the rod of a shepherd and the power of the infinite was upon him. He was a fugitive from Pharaoh and an ambassador from heaven. He was the giver of the law and the forerunner of grace. And one day he died all alone on Mount Moab. And another day he appeared with Christ at Judea. And no human man assisted at his funeral, and yet it was God who buried him And the most notable story of Moses' life unfolded this way. Abraham's descendants, the people of God, the Israelites, they had been enslaved in Egypt for many years. In due course, it came time, though, for them to return to the land that God had promised them long ago. God chose Moses, of all people, to lead his people out of Egypt. But the Pharaoh, who was Egypt's 
king. He was not about to let God's people go, and God tried. He sent warning after warning after warning through Moses to the king, to the Pharaoh, but he still would not let God's people go. And finally, one day Moses warned the king, obey God or he will send the worst disaster of them all. This one will be unimaginable, Pharaoh. What was it? Moses explained, the oldest boy in each family of Egypt will die, but God's people will be spared. God's people will be safe. And so God told his people, the Israelites, to take their very best lamb, kill it, and put some of its blood on their doorposts. When God passes over your house, Moses explained, you will, God will see the blood, and he will know that the lamb died instead of you. That event is marked by the descendants of Abraham as Passover. Blood smeared on doorposts. God's people set free from captivity and death. It's a picture of redemption, isn't it? Redemption that every single one of us needs. Redemption that was unwrapped one night in the most unlikely of all places. Rejoice, rejoice, he.
In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Unwrapped is the story of God redeeming humanity. Clear back at the beginning of time, the very beginning of time until right here, right now. And for us today, our redemption comes through a package that God delivered via a virgin who placed her infant son, who was the son of God, who was the Messiah, who was the savior of the world. His name was Jesus Christ. She placed him in a manger of all places. God made a way, see, for us 
to be restored to our rightful relationship with him. Every single one of us were made for a personal relationship with God. Someone has said that the most tragic story of Christmas time is how many of us know in our heads that Christmas is all about Jesus, and yet we miss the connection that he came to make to our hearts. It's like a so close yet so far away kind of deal. In these days we spend celebrating Christmas, I'm sure you're going to receive a variety of gifts, aren't you? Many of them are going to be very, very cool gifts. I guarantee that some of them will be very, very cheesy gifts. And a whole bunch of them will be entirely unneeded gifts, won't they? And the real truth of Christmas is that God gave the world, all of us, the only gift that anyone really needs on the first Christmas. God loved the world, that's us, so much, that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sin. Without Jesus, We're left to try to bridge the chasm of sin that exists between God and us, a chasm that no matter how good we are, no matter how hard we work, no matter how much we want to bridge it, cannot be crossed by ourselves. We need, we require Jesus to bridge that divide for us. And maybe you're here tonight and this is the very first time you've ever heard about Abraham and Moses and so. Maybe this is the first time you've ever realized that you actually need Jesus. Or maybe you're here to celebrate the redemption that you've already received. No matter who you are or why you're here, the truth is that Jesus Christ came for you because he loves you, every single one of us. Christmas, then, is the celebration of God choosing to love you and me and us unconditionally with absolutely no strings attached. It's all about God choosing to redeem. He didn't have to do it. God choosing to redeem. God choosing to give his only son for us. Ephesians 1.7 says it so well. He, speaking about God, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son shed on the cross and forgave our sins. Could I ask you just to close your eyes and bow your heads and move into a posture of prayer? Just get quiet with God, if you will. I'm just going to ask you to stay in a posture of prayer if you would. Maybe there's those of you here today who when you hear about the freedom that God offers you, that's almost unimaginable to you. You feel so bound up, constrained, tied up, shackled. Maybe by your hurts and maybe by your habits, maybe by your hang-ups. And maybe that's because you're here today and you don't yet know personally the God who loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to earth to be born in a manger, to live about 33 years and then die on the cross so that we could live in relationship with him, so that we could be free, set free from all that stuff that we carry
What's keeping you today from asking Jesus to be your Savior and Lord right here, right now? What's holding you back? What if Christmas 2010, what if this is your day? Your day to say, I'm free. I'm free. If that's the desire of your heart, to know Jesus, to follow Jesus, to live for Jesus, I just invite you to tell him as much. You can do it in a prayer that goes something like this. God, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to live and to die for me. I need Jesus. And more than anything in this world, I want Jesus in my life. God, I repent from my sin. I acknowledge I've done wrong. I turn from my own path. And God, from here I'm out on out, I'm going your way. Help me please begin new life in you, God. Christmas 2010, I'm making you my savior, I'm making you my Lord, I'm making you my boss. If that's your prayer today, would you just real boldly slip your hand up? This is a real personal thing just between me, you, and God. Nobody else is looking around this room. But if you prayed with me just then, would you just be so bold as to say, yeah, I just invited Jesus to be the Savior of my life. Just lift your hand right there in the middle. Yeah, way to go. Right there, way to go. And you right here to my right, yes. And in the back to my right, yes. I say yes with you, yes. Right here, yes. And in the back, yes. I see you. Way to go. And in the back, yes, way to go, way to go. Life changes forever for you, right here, right now. Way to go. God, we say thank you. And compared to the gift that you gave your, your son, the words thank you seem awfully uh, pathetic. But it's what we got. And so we offer them, and in the same way we offer our lives to you out of gratitude for everything that you are and everything that you've done for us. We're declaring together here today, God, that Christmas for us is about you, about your unfolding plan of redemption, you giving the ultimate gift for every single person on planet Earth and we receive your Son, Jesus Christ. And we say, here's our lives, God. Take them. One of my very favorite Christmas songs is Silent Night, and I just invite you to join in and let's sing Silent Night together. Holy infant 
tender and mine. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heaven. Around Journey Church, we believe to of our being that the church exists for the purpose of serving the community redemptively. As a church, we're on the mission of doing whatever it takes to connect people with God. Our staff and volunteers engage in that mission about 365 days a year with really great fruitfulness. As we continue worshiping God through these final songs, we're going to be receiving an offering that's going to go to Journey's continuing community outreach, community service, community ministries, which are the hallmark of who we are as a church community. The funds that you would choose to give would be used to further that mission of doing whatever it takes to connect people with God. Would you consider giving a very generous gift to help further advance God's work right here in the Gallatin Valley and beyond, frankly? Uh, as we're singing, the ushers will be by to receive your gifts. Please know that there's absolutely no obligation to give. If you're not inclined that way, please just let those bags go right on by you as we sing together.
worship our King. We're here to celebrate Him, to give our thanks. He's the bringer of hope. He's the bringer of life. He's redeeming us and the world back to ourselves. Let's sing to Him. Oh, worship the King, all glorious above. Oh, gratefully sing His wonderful love. Our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with grace. Oh, tell of his might, oh, sing of his grace, whose robe is the light and canopy space, his shirts
give a hand to the literally hundreds of people who helped put Christmas of the Commons together. All those people in the back who made all the lights and sound, way to go to you. Yeah, way to go. Would you take a seat for just a moment? You, you know, an event like this uh, literally takes hundreds of people and hundreds of hours to put together. Uh, and uh, quite remarkably, it comes off. And uh, God gets all the credit for that. Uh, but were it not for a couple of very key players, stuff like this just doesn't happen. One of those is a guy named Daniel Hartzheim. And I'm going to ask him to come out. Daniel, I, I didn't know. You, you, yeah, could, could he have that mic? Yeah, there you go. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that's Brandon's mic. And uh, Daniel just has a few things that he wants to say. So Yeah, I wanted to thank uh, all of you for coming. This is an awesome time to be the, the bride and body of Christ and come together this time of year. So thank you. And I wanted to just recognize a few players, um, well, especially just all the musicians in general. You can see all the work and organization it took to get this. And thank you for practicing all the parts that we wrote. So thank you. And uh, wanted to recognize Deborah on the keyboard over there, Deborah Shure. She, uh, she helped arrange, she and I arranged all the music, and uh, she put in just as much work as I did, so big thank you to her. And uh, she's, a, she's a piano teacher, so if you need a, a teacher. And then over here um, conducting is David Uhl. Born and bred in Bozeman, Montana, he orchestrated a, uh, I'm sorry, he conducted an orchestra and choir in Chicago for three years, and he's only 27 years old. So, glad to have him. Uh, so big thank you also to the uh, sound crew. Um, we have Matt Sumner on the soundboard. And Sam Bennett. Sam Bennett helped with, did all the lighting and helped on sound too. So to them and all their team, big thank you. And then uh, April Bennett, his, Sam's wife, April Bennett was in charge of all of the casting and script writing and narration, so amazing. Those people lived here the last two weeks more than they did at home. And I heard them say that themselves, so. Um, and then lastly, I wanted to uh, honor my girlfriend on harp, Myra. Can you come out, Myra? Myra, come out here. Where are you at? Sweet. This is Myra Norman, and I, I met her a year and a half ago after a journey service, a weekend service. And um, she came up after I was leading worship on a Saturday night, introduced herself to me. And um, I don't know how much I've ever shared with you, but when we met, that was an amazing moment. And usually after worship, I'm, I'm kind of frazzled, tearing down my stuff, heavy concentration. But uh, I met Myra, and it, it just felt like the world stopped moving. And uh, there was just like a, a blanket of peace from God that just was all around us. And uh, we just stared in each other's eyes. And... Uh, started, started dating about a month after that, and um, I just wanted to um, thank you, and, and before all these people honor you and say thank you for being my girlfriend, and God has uh, really blessed me through you, and um, returned joy to my life that I, didn't, I don't remember since childhood, so it's been amazing, and um, I love you, and you're my best friend, and you've 
you honor and respect me more than anyone that I've met in this life, and I thank you for that. And um, I just want to ask you if you'd be my man, and if you'd marry me, Maida Norman, will you marry me? Awesome. Thank you, guys. Ah, that is fantastic. <laughs> wow. We'll never forget this Christmas. It's been our absolute joy to be with every single one of you tonight. On behalf of every single person across the family of Journey Church, we wish you a very Merry Christmas. As you remember, that Christmas time is all about God's love for you, expressed through His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, I love you all. See you. <laughs>